Welcome to Testimonies with Tiffany, the podcast that is sure to challenge and grow your faith. Join me as we hear personal testimonies from ordinary people having radical encounters with Jesus. Together, we'll learn the power of believing God and His Word. I hope it inspires you to look at how God is showing Himself faithful in your life and challenges you to step out and testify. Welcome back to Testimonies with Tiffany. I'm your host, Tiffany Tombry. I am so excited to be back here, y'all, for another episode on Testimonies with Tiffany. Today, we have a special guest. I'm excited. Our guest is from Denver, Colorado, which I'm pretty sure the weather right now there is nothing like it is here down in Southeast Texas. We have had thunderstorms all day long, and it's currently 67 degrees, so Our guest is from Colorado. I cannot wait to hear what she has to say about the weather. She's a proud mom of two beautiful children. Her mother's family came to the United States from Sicily, and her father's family came on the Mayflower. Now, y'all, when my guests send me their, like, fun facts, when I read this about our guest, I was, like, geeking out. I'm like, I have to tell my husband about her dad's family because my husband is a huge history buff loves everything history. And so I'm excited to share that fun fact with my husband. Um, She comes from a big family with five siblings. Miracles and hearing God's voice has been a part of her life from the start. She uses the many gifts that father has given her to support others in their journey to wellness via therapeutic counseling. She practices unapologetically ship and stands on the call in first John four, seven, and eight, that we should love one another. Y'all, I'm so excited to share my guest with you today. Her name is Miss Fancy Eldridge. Hey, Fancy, can you say hello to the audience? Hey, hey, y'all. How are you doing? It is good (laughs) to be talking to you from Denver. Tell us about Denver. What's going on there? How's the weather today? You know, it's it's a little chilly today. Like we had um, record-breaking high temperatures over the weekend. And um, Denver is kind of like that. We kind of do a little bit of a bait and switch. So we'll have something real, real beautiful and then have a little bit of storm blowing in. So it's been very chilly and windy today. We've got about 55 degrees, but when the wind is blowing, it's about 45 but yeah. we have no humidity. So our 45 here is not like your 45 there. That just doesn't sound fun. I think we, speaking of record highs, I'm pretty sure it was like 90 the last few days. So yeah, it's, I'm like 90 in April. That's scary. Well, we um, 89 on Saturday, believe it or not. We never have 89. That was a record temperature here. Wow. So yeah, it was very warm. Man, weather is a crazy thing, but I'm thankful for it because God created weather and it's amazing. Amen. And we get all the seasons here in Denver, so it's a lot of fun. Okay, see, that's something that we don't get here. And something when I lived up north, I lived in Utah for a little bit, Idaho. That is something I grew to appreciate is just this different seasons. Um, Because, you know, all of creation speaks. And so when you live in a place where you can experience all four seasons, 
I like to think that just in the natural where we experience four seasons spiritually, we can experience four seasons. There's a time, right, where we can go through valleys or winter where God is pruning and things are dying dying off and then spring there's new growth in our life and and all the things so i learned to appreciate seasons and definitely miss it living down here you better talk about it and you know when you grow up in a place where you have like a a real winter i mean we have real winter here in denver now you know I'm, i'm sure you have listeners in mid-America, like Minnesota and those things, I am not trying to compete with y'all because y'all do winter like no one does winter and all respect due to you. But we (laughs) have real winter here where everything is frozen and the ground is hard and everything is dead and it is terrible. And you know it's going to come back and you just sit with that hope. And then, you know, now we're at this time of year where we're just starting to see things just break through a little bit and you see those little green tips come out and here and there, there's a little daffodil blooming, but I mean, we're just barely getting started, but you feel that hope in the air and you really do Um, do that when you're walking through life. And especially as you get more mature, you just understand to expect that spring that always follows the winter. Yes, I know. It's so encouraging. Uh, I think it's T.D. Jakes that says, and and Pastor Christy, I've had her as a guest on here. She's a a mentor of me and fancies and, and, and a friend. And she always says, she echoes what T.D. Jakes says, is that everything preaches. And it's, it's just that if we would have eyes to see and ears to hear what Father's saying, con- I mean, everything speaks. Everything God is speaking through creation. God is constantly um, going after us relentless- relentlessly. Like he is in pursuit of our affection constantly. But it's if we have eyes to see it and ears to hear and a heart to respond. And so seasons are really special to me because we can learn a lot from seasons in the natural and then just, you know, applying it to our walk with the Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not taking it so personally when it is a winter season or when it's fall and and you can feel winter coming, you know, it's not always necessarily about you. Sometimes it's just about the seasonal ebb and flow of life. Yes, absolutely. Oh, we serve such a great God. Well, Fancy, this is what I'm going to do. I'm looking forward to this time that we have together and I'm just going to let you go ahead and take it away. You, you can tell the audience a little bit about yourself. If there's another fun fact that you want to share or just whatever the Lord has laid on your heart. And then we'll just trust the Holy spirit to lead us through this and, and trust that the audience of people listening are going to be blessed. They're going to experience freedom. They're going to be encouraged in their faith. And so I, I'm, it's go ahead, girl. Well, thank you, Tiffany. I appreciate it. And, you know, I just want to start out by saying thank you so much for letting me be part of your podcast. I'm so proud of you answering the call of God to do this. And it's so special to me that you trust me enough to be a part of it because I know that this is a call that's near and dear to you and your husband's hearts. And um, I just love your podcast. There are so many episodes that have been so special to me, especially your father-in-law. I have to 
to tell you, I go and listen to that podcast every time I feel like I need a smile. He's just the sweetest voice. And so thank you so much for having me, Tiffany. I do appreciate it. Yes, fancy. Um, thank you. I, I thank <laughs> you for um, appreciating this this call that the Lord's placed on my life and um, just that you have the courage to, to share your testimony, to be transparent. You know, I tell people this all the time. In fact, a conversation at the table last night with some uh, leadership staff at my church, we, uh, some of us women got together and we were just talking and I said, the, my podcast came up and I had said, you know, there's something so beautiful about people who will be transparent, people who will just be real and raw about what they're going through or what through because that just brings people to that first of all people feel safe around you when you can just be real and raw and be like you know what my life's a mess but Jesus is in it I'm looking to Jesus he's redirecting my path he's cleaning it up or he's helping me you know he's opened my eyes to this or he's healing this part of me and there's just something absolutely beautiful about transparency so I I'm just in awe of the people that are willing to come on this podcast and just be transparent and just lay it all out there. Because see, the truth of the matter is there is going to be one person that listens to this episode that can relate to exactly the things that you've been through and Okay, well, um, Tiffany, you cut out there. So I am not sure um, if you're connected or not, but I'm I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to start talking and um, hopefully you can just jump in and stop me if um, something goes awry. So um, I in in my introduction, you talked about how um, the hand of God and the voice of God has been part of my life from the very, very beginning. And that is absolutely true. And so I just thought that I would talk through some of the different ways that God has shown up in my life, because I think a lot of times we can feel like we don't have a testimony unless the testimony is finished. And so what we do is we sit and we wait to share our testimony with other people until we feel like we've arrived at the end of our story and somehow everything is all buttoned up and everything is all bowed up and we don't have anything else to worry about. All right, Fancy's back. The devil is a liar. That's right. <laughs> but that's all right. He picked the wrong two today because we are just ready. That is right. You know, I prayed before or I prayed with Fancy before we got started. And I said, Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon fashioned against this episode shall stand. And so technical difficulty, you are welcome here. So Fancy, take two. <laughs> all right. So, um, you know, I just really thought that I would kind of go through a very, um, high level view of my life and just talk about some of the different ways that God has really shown up in my life. I think one of the mistakes that women of God and men of God maybe, but I know women of God because we talk about these things. 
um, one of the mistakes that we often make is we think because we haven't arrived and because um, the end of our story or that one piece that we're waiting for hasn't fallen into place, we don't have a testimony. And that's just so untrue because there's so many things in our lives that we can share with each other to encourage each other along the way. So I'm going to share some various ways that God has shown up in my life. And Tiffany, feel free to interrupt if um, you want clarity on anything or if you hear something that you want me to dive deeper into. But I just thought it was really important for people to hear that there's a testimony even before it's finished. So I'll tell y'all before I start with um, some of the ways God has shown up that I'm waiting for some very significant things in my life. One of the things that I'm waiting for is I have a very distinct word over my son, Khalil. God has told me that he will live to serve the Lord. That is not reflected in the way he's living his daily life right now. And so it would be very easy for me to sit here and think that I don't have a testimony yet because that has hasn't come to fruition, but there are so many testimonies in my life. So it's all a matter of perspective. Mm, so that being said, um, so my mom was a polio survivor when she was a kid and my dad was a fireman. So I grew up in a household with two people who were kind of heroes and um, they were very well known in our community. And we went to um, a Lutheran school. It was myself, my younger two brothers, and my younger sister in the household. I have an older brother from my father's first marriage. And I have an older sister, which I'll tell you guys a little bit more about during this testimony. But growing up as kids, I was the oldest child in the household. And um, it was an extremely abusive household. And you wouldn't think that, you know, when you saw us from the outside, because we were very good at holding up a facade that had everything looking shiny and in order and well, but there was a lot of um, physical abuse that went on in the house. There was a lot of emotional abuse in the house. And there was a lot of mental abuse that went on in the house. And so I was very affected by that. Um, my brother, one down from me, was the target of a lot of the physical abuse that came from my father. And being a witness to that can be equally, if not more traumatic than experiencing the abuse yourself. Yeah. So from a, being a young child, um, physical emotional and um, mental abuse were very normalized for me and became a regular way of life. And um, not having good boundaries became a regular way of life because I wasn't really allowed to have boundaries in those atmospheres. And um, my parents were very disrespectful to each other. And so, you know, I didn't have good modeling in any way. And so it was very difficult. And I remember one day in particular, I was on a walk by myself. And this was after a particularly um, traumatic event had occurred in our house. And um, I had actually been dragged by my hair by my mom. Mm. And um, 
you know, needless to say, I was upset and traumatized and it was hard and I was crying. And um, once things settled down, I asked if I could go for a walk and I was allowed to do so. And it was about this time of year, actually. And I went out for a walk and there were some flowers breaking through. And I remember leaning down and looking at the flowers and I started talking to them kind of like Alice in Wonderland. And I was, I was probably five or six years old when this happened. And I remember asking them if they would be a friend to me because I didn't feel like I had a friend. And that was the first time I ever heard the voice of God. And he said, I'm always with you. Wow. And I paused and I get a little choked up thinking about it because it's just the sweetest thing. I mean, you just imagine a little girl talking to the flowers and God swooping in and saying, I'm always with you. And he has said that to me many times throughout my life. And so I said to him, well, will you hold my hand? And ever since then, will you hold my hand has been a thing between he and I. And it's been a cry that I will utilize and, and fall on in the toughest of times. So that was the first time that I heard the voice of God. And as the years went on and things developed in our household, similar to a lot of teenage girls who grow up in an abusive household, I sought out the love of males and wanted a man who was going to swoop in and save me and be my Prince Charming and make me his girl, his wife, whatever it was, and um just save the day. And so I offered myself up in a lot of those situations in a way that God would not have me doing. And I um, had a lot of intimate situations with people that I shouldn't have, shouldn't have been in those intimate situations with and exposed myself to a lot of things. And um, over the years, you know, having all of those soul ties, it just really breaks you down and not having those proper boundaries, it really breaks you down. And I always knew that I was a child of God, but I felt farther and farther away from him, particularly as I was in my early college years. And that's when I met my children's father. And when I first met him, um, I, I honestly didn't really care for him, which kind of became a pattern in my relationships, which I should have seen as the initial red flag, because every guy who liked me that I didn't like back, I ended up in a relationship with, and it was never good. But um, I initially did not care for him and made him work to woo me. And once he did, um, things were nice temporarily. But of course, um, I wasn't following God's pattern for that relationship. So it was kind of doomed from the start. Mm. And um, we ended up, you know, getting very close and having a very good relationship. But his idea of what a happy relationship looked like was very different from mine because I had 
romanticized and fantasized about this family unit that I had never seen in my own home, but that I had seen on TV and that I believed existed. And that if I just worked hard enough and if everything was perfect, nothing bad would happen. And so I was working very hard at being perfect all the time. And I couldn't understand why that relationship was just not working. And then we reached a point where physical violence came into the relationship. And um, I, I was beaten by him. I had um, 27 stitches in my face at one point. Um, my family got involved. My friends got involved. Everyone was very upset. And yet and still, Tiffany, believe it or not, the neuroses that was in my mind was, I must have done something to make this happen. And I need to um, make sure that this does not happen again and fix it somehow so that we don't experience any more of these problems. Like for some reason, that violence and that dysfunction had been so normalized in my mind. I just kept going back to, if everything is perfect, nothing bad will happen, which is such a lie that the enemy uses against us in so many different ways. And I think this is where a lot of the anxiety and depression you see people experiencing right Right now in our society comes from is that constant striving for perfection and not understanding why it's not working because you think you've got a formula and that formula just is not coming through. Mm. And so, um, you know, the, the tumultuousness of our relationship just got worse and worse. And I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to church. So I found um, a mega church here in the Denver area. And that's actually how I ended up meeting Christy. She was at that church and um, got myself in church and my kid's dad in church. And, you know, we were all doing our thing and we were living as a family and we were in premarital counseling and everything was fantastic. And I was getting ready for work one day and our church was broadcast here on local TV. And as I was getting ready for church, um, I was watching pastor on TV and you know how, when you're watching a church service, they'll do the crowd shots. Mm-hmm. And I happened to glance at the TV while they were doing a crowd shot. And there was my kid's dad holding hands with another woman. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so um, it was stunning. It was a stunning moment. And um, my phone rung. And it was my girlfriend and she was also watching. So she knew. And she said, what are you doing right now? And I said, "Um, I am trying to figure out if I'm going to kill him or leave him. And he was asleep in our bed in this moment. (laughs) And she said, you're not doing either one. Leave for work right now. I'm going to talk to you until... I was on a cordless phone. She said, I'm going to talk to you until your cordless disconnects because you drove out the security gate. This was something I did with her often because honestly, I would forget I was on the phone when I was talking to my girlfriend, but 
she said, um, you're, you're going to drive out that security gate talking to me or else I'm going to call the police and just send them over there because I know what you're going to do. And I, I told her, you know what, I'm just going to drive straight to the church. And so I just was crying. And again, I asked God, just hold my hand. I don't know what to do. Just hold my hand. I feel like everything is falling apart. Just hold my hand. And he said, I'm with you. And, you know, it, it wasn't immediately okay. And we did not end up staying together, but we had not honored God in that relationship. And so we didn't build a foundation where I felt like we were able to stay together. Once I started doing some counseling, that's when I met Barbara Russell and, um, you know, just working on some things. And at this time, my children were still little. And so um, I was really upset and I was praying about, you know, the effects of um, what my children had seen between their father and I. And also like just being um, parents in a single, I mean, being kids in a single parent home and how that was going to affect them. And then also, Tiffany, my um, children are half black. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the media over the last couple of years about the different experience sometimes non-white people can have in society. Mm-hmm. And I was aware of a lot of that having dated a Black man. And I was worried about my children experiencing a lot of that and how I was going to navigate that because it was so unfamiliar to me personally. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I, I was so scared and I kind of fell back on that. If nothing is, if everything is perfect, nothing bad will happen again. And I started getting caught up in that anxiety and, um, I was just working so hard trying to be the best mom I could be and have these perfect kids that were always doing what they were supposed to be doing and were always looking the way they were supposed to be looking. And, you know, kind of a thing with white moms who have mixed kids. We don't want their hair looking crazy. You can't have your baby out there looking like a Q-tip, you know, so... (laughs) I would work so hard, (laughs) Tiffany, doing that hair. It was like a hair shop in my house every Saturday. We were blowing hair out for hours. And I mean, it was just so much. And I worked so hard at it. And what I didn't realize, Tiffany, is I created an atmosphere where my children felt like they had to be perfect all the time. Wow. And I created that same anxiety in them. And I was always very careful with what came out of my mouth toward my children. And anyone who knows me knows that I'm very careful with my words. And so um, my children would never, you know, hear any disparaging comment about their character come out of my mouth. And they would never hear me call them a name ever. But what they would hear me do is identify imperfections. And that was very painful for them. And I didn't even realize 
that I was cutting them like that until years and years later when they told me really how that had affected them and the anxiety that they dealt with as kids feeling like they could not mess up because mommy couldn't handle it. Wow. Isn't that crazy? But yet and still, you know, I prayed and I, I just, I, I told the Lord, like, I need you to hold my hand in this. I need you to be with me and I need to be with my kids. So even in the midst of me creating that chaos and that dysfunction within our home, I will tell you that um, God's hand was clearly upon both of my children. They are beautiful human beings. My son Khalil got one of the most prestigious scholarships in the state of Colorado. He, um, it's called the Betcher Foundation Scholarship. He was one of 2,400 applicants and they choose 40 students in the state. Wow. He got a full ride. And when I say a full ride, I mean a legit full ride, not like a full ride and you still got to pay these fees over here or a full ride, but you still got to figure out how you're going to get home for the holidays or a full ride, but you still need to get a laptop. No, this boy, when I say everything was paid, everything was paid. They gave him an annual stipend to get new computer equipment. They gave him a monthly stipend, so he had pocket money. They paid for all of his room and board, all of his education. He graduated with a debt-free master's. He's a sociolinguist, which means he studies how words and language have been used to um, dominate and incapacitate various cultures. And how those cultures take those words back and use them as words of power. Um, so, you know, think about words that have been used to belittle and control people. And then how those people have taken those words back as their own and use them as words of power within their own communities. So, you know, um, Jesus freak was not always necessarily a positive term. But at this point in time, I would call myself a Jesus freak gladly. And yeah. I would say that um, I'm the Jesus freak on call when they need somebody to come in and lay hands and they don't mind. Right. So, so that's the kind of words that he studies. And he has taught in um, Korea. He was the keynote speaker for the International Baccalaureate Program in Japan. And he's taught in Botswana. He speaks 14 languages. Um, he basically can read anything you put in front of him. He's an incredible individual. He also was the um, interpreter at one time at our church for the American Sign Language Ministry. Wow. So an incredible human being. My daughter is in her very last semester of school. Um, doing her student teaching this next semester, and then she will have accomplished a double major doing performance voice and music education. So even in the midst of all of that chaos, God certainly held me and held my children and had them turn out 
in such an extraordinary way. Neither of them has ever been in trouble. Neither of them has ever suffered any addiction issues. Neither one of them has ever been um, overly promiscuous in their um, relationships. Like none of the things that were told statistically those children should have been turning out like. It's just obvious to me that God was all over them. Yes. yes. Also in the midst of that, in the midst of them growing up, um, my brother won down from me. He, um, again, was the target of a lot of my dad's abuse. And so he left home early and ended up becoming a fairly well-known drug dealer here in Denver, a meth dealer. And he was in a meth lab explosion. Very scary. Um, He was in a coma for a significant period of time in the hospital as a John Doe. And he was actually scared to tell them who he was once he was conscious enough to do so. Um, because he thought that he was going to be charged and he didn't want that. Um, He suffered fourth degree burns over 70% of his body. Um, He stroked out many times. They thought he was going to die many times. And finally they came to him and told him that he only had a few days And they would really like to contact his family so he didn't die alone. And so they contacted us. And um, I happened to be in Detroit facilitating a class for my job the day they contacted us. So um, the concierge for the hotel walked in and said he had an emergency call for me. And I immediately thought it was my kids. And so um, I walked out and took the call and it was my mom. And she said, he's been in a meth lab explosion. And I was like, okay. So I went back into the training and I'm facilitating the training. So if I leave, the training stops. But, you know, who could go in there and do a good job at that after getting that phone call? And so, you know, Once again, I just said, God, will you please just hold my hand? I don't know what to do. And so I walked into the training and the manager for the team that I was training walked up to me and he said, what's going on? And I said, "Um, can I talk to you about this out in the hall? And he said, yeah. And at the time I worked for Coca-Cola, which is, um, you know, a, a corporate company, Um, not super conservative by today's standards in their political views, but it was still a conservative environment at that point in time. Like we dressed in business wear, um, you know, definitely not somewhere where you want to advertise the fact that your brother has just been in a meth lab explosion. But, um, you know, I didn't know what else to say to this man. And um, after having known him for all of five hours, I just laid it on the line and I just told him what was happening. And he said, all right, let's get it taken care of. You go grab your bag, I'll call the travel agent. He walked in the meeting room 
had somebody else take over and basically told them they were going to have a quick discussion about something the team was going to talk about after training and training was going to be rescheduled. And he called the travel agent for me, got my flights rebooked and got me right back to Denver. So you want to talk about God holding your hand. He just swooped me right on up and ushered me right on home. And it was beautiful. And so um, I, when I got in at the airport, I went straight from the airport to the hospital. And when I walked in the hospital, um, my mom and my sister were both in my brother's room and they're both in there just snotting and crying and carrying on. And my um, God brother was standing outside my brother's room talking to one of the doctors about what was going on with my brother. And like, obviously an earshot of my brother. And like my spirit was just so bothered by all of the conversation that was going on because, you know, the power of life and death is in your tongue. And I didn't understand why they were speaking all this death in my brother's presence when he clearly needed to speak life. He needed people to speak life over him. So first I walked up to my God brother and the doctor and I said, I'm not sure why you two are having this conversation in front of my brother, but whether you think he can hear you or not, you need to relocate. And also doctor, I need orders that no one is to have any conversation that is not of the utmost positivity anywhere within 10 yards of this room, period. And they were, you know, obviously a little shocked, but said, okay. Then I went in the room and I said to my mom and sister, I don't know why y'all are in here crying, but he does not need that right now. Can y'all step out and let me have the room with my brother? And so they agreed and they stepped out And um, I went over to my brother and he was still comatose at this point in time. And so I laid hands on him and I started singing to him. And I just said to him, bub, it is absolutely unacceptable to me that you would die like this. You are a child of the most high God. His call is upon you. He said he would never leave you, nor would he forsake you. Come out of this and come with me and let's go live together. And I started singing Amazing Grace to him. And I just stayed there and I sang and I prayed and I made sure that he was hearing the right things until I just was exhausted and I had to go home. And I came back the next day and I did the same thing. And I came back the next day and I did the same thing. And after three days, I just couldn't do it anymore. And so that day I stayed home. And believe it or not, Tiffany, after three days, he came out of that coma. There's something about three days. Three days, sister. Three days. And um, he told me later that he had heard me while he was in that coma. And he told God, if you'll save my life, I will give it to you. And my brother is a pastor today. He is a beautiful human being also. Um, He has dedicated his life to the Lord. 
He um, mentors and disciples many, many young men and spreads the light of God everywhere that he goes, including sharing his testimony with many young people. And it is a jarring and poignant testimony that is undeniable as far as the power of God to bring you back from the brink of death. Amen. So, you know, all of that was going on during the years while I was raising the kids. And then um, right around the time Bianca was going into her senior year of high school, so this was just a few years ago, my mom found out she had pancreatic cancer. And um, pancreatic cancer is not one that you have a long time to figure out once you've been diagnosed with that. Um, it was an incredible shock to us when she was diagnosed with it. She just woke up one day jaundiced, just looking very yellow. And the next thing we knew, they were giving her six months to live. And so um, my mom called me on the phone to tell me about it. And, you know, once again, I just needed God to hold my hand because I didn't know what to do. And I knew I was going to ask him the healer, but I didn't know what his plan was. And so um, he just really walked with me through that. There were so many beautiful, beautiful healing moments between my mom and I where he just, he let me see things, Tiffany, that made me understand so much about the trauma that I experienced with her as a child. Um, one of the examples of that is um, she was going into a surgery one day she had broken her wrist. Her bones got very brittle from the chemotherapy that she went through. And um, they were just putting a pin in her wrist for her because she had broken it. And she was just being real snappy and kind of funky. And as my mom had gotten older, she had gotten very tender and very kind. And, you know, she had done a lot of praying and a lot of seeking of forgiveness for her what had gone on when she was younger. And so she was definitely a different person by that point in her life. And so, you know, she was just being really snarky and it was kind of out of character for her. And I said, um, mom, you know, if you're having some anxiety, you can ask them to give you something for that while we're in here for anesthesia. And she said, I don't have anxiety. I'm just anxious for them to get started. <laughs> and I thought, you know, okay, you just used the same word twice in that <laughs> sentence, but it, it made it so clear to me, Tiffany, that sometimes people just don't have the vocabulary or the understanding to even know what it is they're dealing with. Mm. And so to hold them accountable to act like they knew maybe wasn't fair because they didn't. Right. You know, there were just so many beautiful moments while God was holding my hand and walking through my mom having that pancreatic cancer that were so healing for me. 
um, she actually ended up battling for two and a half years before she went home to be with the Lord. Mm. And in the midst of those two and a half years, one of the most absolutely beautiful miracles that he did was he healed our entire family. Amen. Um, he, so my mom and dad met in Salt Lake City in the, in, in 1968. And at the time, my dad was in the midst of divorcing his first wife, my older brother's mom, who was in Oregon. So he had relocated to Salt Lake City after the divorce. But in those days, you had a longer period of time between when the divorce was final and when the separation started. It was just a longer period of time. So during that separation period is when he met my mom. And my mom got pregnant. So obviously, you know what they were doing before they were married. So technically speaking, here was my mom, a good Sicilian girl who's supposed to be a virgin when she gets married, pregnant by a man who was married. So my mom and dad were very scared to reveal this to their parents. And out of fear, they ran away to Denver. And when they were here in Denver, my mom delivered a beautiful little girl in 1969. And they put her up for adoption. And needless to say, my mom's heart was always broken about that. And I never knew that I had an older sister until after I had my son and I was experiencing some really terrible postpartum depression. And I talked to my mom about it and she told me she knew what postpartum depression felt like because she had experienced it when she had me because she felt so terribly guilty about this other baby that she had given up. And she had always wondered you know, how this baby was doing and if she was okay and if she was mad at my mom. And it was just one of those little black spots on my mom's heart that just would not go away. She could not forgive herself for that. And her worry and concern over that just would not go away. And so on many occasions, We had asked both my mom and dad if we could look for her, and they had both said no. My dad never really gave a reason. My mom told me that we could not look for her because she um, had done the adoption through Catholic Charities. It was well documented, and so my sister should have the ability to find us should she want to. And the fact that she hadn't, after all those years, indicated to my mom either that she didn't know that she was adopted or that um, she didn't care to find my mom and dad. And my mom just did not want to interrupt and infiltrate her life when that wasn't what she wanted. Mm. So we were never allowed to find her. So fast forward to my mom has cancer. And she had been fighting for probably about six or eight months. And um, I get a 
text message from my older brother in Oregon, and it was at six, six o'clock in the morning, Denver time. So it's five o'clock in the morning, Oregon time. And my older brother's texting me, which he never texts me at that hour. And he says, Hey, have you been on Facebook? Like, what kind of text is that at six in the morning? I was like, no, why? And he said, this girl sent us a message. She thinks she's our sister. I said, okay, does she look like us? He said, I don't know. You should look. Tiffany, if I show you a picture of me and her together, we are almost identical. The only difference is I have blue eyes and she has brown, but we are almost identical. I even said to him, do you not know what I look like? (laughs) (laughs) So um, I called her. And uh, well, first we texted back and forth just to see and asking some questions and whatnot. And it was her. I knew it was her. And so I ended up calling her and she's just lovely, really lovely. And um, she said she had a letter for our mom. And she asked me if there's any way that I could read it to her. And I said, I absolutely could. And um I was, instead of going to work, going to head over to my mom's house. And so I called our younger sister, who's in Florida. So my older sister's in California. I'm in Denver. My younger sister is in Florida. So we're literally across America on this phone call, right? And I'm driving to my mom's house, and we're all talking, and we're all crying, and we're all carrying on. And I walk into my mom's house and realize she does not even know what's going on. So I'm like, okay, mom, um, I need to talk to you for just a second and see if something's okay. And she was like, okay, what is going on? And she could tell I was so excited. And I said, um, so my sister found us. And she said, Penny found you? That's my younger sister. And I said, no, no, our sister found us. And you could just see the shock on my mom's face. And I said, I'm talking to her right now on the phone. And she said, okay, can I talk to her? And I said, you can talk to her. But first, can I read a letter to you that she sent? And my mom said, yes. So I put my sisters both on speaker and I read the letter to my mom. And it was the most beautiful, sweetest letter, Tiffany. And I just, oh, I felt like God just gave this to my mom. And you could just see while I was reading this letter to her, you could just see years melting off her. It was a miracle. And the letter was just basically my sister thanking her choosing to give her a chance to have a life and letting her know that um, her life had been beautiful, that she had a grandchild from my sister and um, that she was just so grateful to her. And so needless to say, you know, we're all sobbing. We're all in tears. And so she and my mom spoke and she came out for my mom's birthday. My mom's birthday was actually Saturday, Tiffany. Mm. 
she came out for my mom's birthday. So my mom got to meet her. She got to meet her grandchild. We all got to meet her. They took pictures together. I swear to you, Tiffany, my mom lived off of the joy of that moment and the guilt that was lifted off of her and the shame that was lifted off of her, the healing that she experienced from that was extraordinary. And I believe in my heart that Jesus just prepared that miraculous moment for her just to give her the strength to fight just a little bit longer and live just a little bit longer. Yes. It was so beautiful. God is so good. Amen. You know, as you've been talking, I, I do this often through episodes. I'll have a notebook and I just ask the Holy Spirit to highlight things. And so I have quite a few things that I feel like Holy Spirit highlighted through the, through all these different testimonies. And um, the first one I want to touch on is in the very beginning, you talked about soul ties. And I understand that there may be someone listening. And when fancy, you're kind of like, wait, what's a soul tie? Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to camp on that for just a second. You know, the soul tie, the term soul tie I believe that we get it from, there's a scripture in the Bible in the New Testament that says when two be, that two become one. So that the reason why sex outside of marriage is, is terrible is because it, well, one of the reasons is because it creates soul ties. Meaning that the Bible says when a, when a man and a woman become one, so when they're intimate, or when they are intimate, they become one. And I remember one time the Lord giving me this, um, like illustration and so like a soul tie if you could just I'm going to share the illustration so you have a boy and a girl or a man and a, a man and a woman and the man is holding a blue construction paper and the woman is holding a red piece of construction paper and uh, what God God's purpose is that when we're standing at the altar going into covenant with one another before father that that construction paper is still intact. It's a whole piece of construction paper. But what happens when we, when we have sex outside of marriage, we get in, we now have created a person picture the blue piece of paper and the red piece of paper being glued together. And so now these two people then made one in God's eyes because there was an act that happened. Then let's say this man and woman have another partner. Well, then the previous partner, they take their paper. So the guy takes the blue, the woman takes the red and they rip it because, well, that's my, that's mine. It's not yours. They rip it. Well, what happens? Obviously now the blue construction paper has red on it and the red blue on it. And now it's not a whole piece. It's maybe a half of a piece. And you understand the more partners you have, that paper gets glued together. And so now the guy gets another partner and let's just say for fun, her paper is purple. So he has red on his paper and now he becomes one with her and they go their separate ways and they take back what's theirs. And now he's got red and purple on his blue paper. And then when he finally meets his wife, if he hasn't dealt with these things and he's, 
all he's holding now is like a quarter of a piece of paper with all these other piece colors of on it. And he's going to give it to his wife. The Lord never intended that. He intended us to give ourselves fully to one person. And so the Lord showed me that illustration to kind of soul ties look like in the spirit. And so maybe, and I remember like going through this because I too fancy have a history of an abusive upbringing and then being very promiscuous myself and just my identity was in a man because a man was the answer. So I thought. And so when the Lord showed me this, he said, it's really, it's really simple. Tiffany, you just repent, repent. And so the Lord brought me through like a freedom session where I just asked the Lord for forgiveness. He began to highlight names. God, forgive me for, you know, this and this and this with this person. And I said, whatever I took from them, I give back. And whatever they took from me, I take back. And and I believe that God is big mm-hmm. enough to restore us and to redeem us and to heal our, our soul and our spirit and our body. And so I just kind of wanted to touch on soul ties. And um, I know that's kind of heavy, but um, it's a real thing. And it can mess somebody up, like mess them up emotionally, mentally, physically, because you're just, you're going against God's design and God's mm-hmm. purpose. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, it's not, you know, when, when it's supposed to be just two people involved, it's not because God's trying to limit you. It's really, it, it's, it's not God holding you back. It's God trying to protect you from being in that polluted situation where you've got all that muddying of colors. Yes, that is so good. It is God's protection. Amen. I love that. Fancy, something else you said is, you know, you said you create that, that, that you had this dysfunction in your belief system, that there was like lots of lies that you believed. And I was thinking, I, you know, as I've had people on my podcast, I'm noticing that this is a very common thing that we, we oftentimes believe the lie over the truth. And so as you were talking, I was just asking the Lord, like, how do we break free from this, this dysfunction belief system? And the Lord gave me Romans 12 too. And then the, the word says that we renew our mind by the washing of the word. And then he told me that literally the Bible is our roadmap. Like wherever we're going in life, the Bible is the roadmap. And so the way that we can break this dysfunction in our belief system and we can recognize lies that we're believing because ultimately well, the way that we believe or what we believe is how we're going to act or react. Even if what we believe is not true, our actions will follow what we believe. And so identifying like what, what, what is the lie? God, what is the lie I'm believing right now about myself or about my spouse, about my children, about my ministry, about my childhood, about my past, whatever the situation is, father, what is the lie I'm believing? We talked about this on my last episode with Jenna Lee Samuel and then asking father, you know, what is the truth? Now, what is your truth? And father gives it and the truth comes from his word. And so, um, I just felt that encouraging that thing that like a, a behavior that you now fancy is that you're able to recognize lies that you've believed. And then asking father, hold my hand and help me walk through this process of review to me and then allowing father to heal your heart and to then to walk in truth 
because we don't want to live in this place where we're just repeating something over and over like the Israelites circling the mountain 40 years when their journey, their process should have only been 11 days. But because of what they were believing and confessing, their journey ended up being a whole lot longer than what God had anticipated. That's right. You know, and and one thing about that too, Tiffany, is as you kind of start to dissect your thought patterns and try to see where the lies are that you're telling yourself, one thing that I will tell you should be like a bright, blaring, flashing red light, there is a lie in this area, is anywhere that you are frustrated and you feel like you're going in circles or you feel overwhelmed or you feel like you're tied in a knot, that is not the Holy Spirit. If that's how you're feeling about a thing, something's wrong and there's probably a lie you're believing in that area. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is, yes, that's a, that's a red flag. That's a good indicator that, or, or yes, or if you're reacting, your response to a situation is what Fancy just explained. That is, that's a indicator that, okay, I need to stop and I need to ask father, like, why am I responding this way? Why did what they did or what they say make me feel this way right now because if we'll take time to do that father will expose it he will go he will take us to that place and say right there here it is we need to deal with that we need I want to heal that place will you let me but and and, you know oftentimes we we do we just circle this mountain because we won't take the time to invite father invite holy spirit into this and deal with it Yep. And and the word says that God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Fear is anxiety. Fear is stress. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. So if you're not feeling empowered, if you're not feeling loved or like you're loving, if you're not feeling like you're in your right mind, you're probably not operating in his ways. Yes, absolutely. Something that I've been working with father through on, on some different things in my life and like, okay, why am I feeling this way? Or why am I reacting this way? And, and to be honest, fancy, it's not fun. It is not a fun process. It's actually very Mm -hmm. uncomfortable and sometimes quite painful. And, and, you know, there's, I mean, it's also a, a time where we have to repent. We have to, take responsibility for believing it and then acting it, you know, acting in sin or living, you know, in a way that doesn't honor God. And so, yeah, it's just a mess. It's, it's messy, but I want to encourage those listening that God wants to be in the middle of the mess. He, he wants, I say this all, this is the best stain remover. Like he can remove the stain and they can handle, God can handle our messiness. Like he wants to, he wants to be in it. Just like fancy has said through this whole episode, he wants to hold our hand. Like he wants that invitation. He wants to say, like Jesus, will you hold my hand? I absolutely love it. Um, something else that stuck out to me, fancy, you said that you kept saying over, if everything is perfect, nothing bad will happen. I think a lot of people think that a relationship with Jesus is just that it's perfect. Nothing bad will happen. <laughs> Nothing bad will happen. Well, spoil alert. Bad things happen. 
It's just, and there's scripture to back it up. The Lord gave me John 16, 33. He says, take heart. You're going to face trouble, but I've overcome. And so if the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of us, guess what? We are overcomers, which means we can have trouble and overcome it and, and grow through it and be healed from it. And so um, when you were talking about that, I was like, man, that's something that, you know, I think just, we just tend to want to believe like this fantasy that if, if I could just be perfect, then then nothing bad will happen. I will achieve it all. I will have, you know, done everything. And I'm like, Jesus doesn't care about perfection. He cares about the process. And Lynn, it's a very, it's a very egotistical approach, right? Because it, it still makes you the center of that universe. Wow. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's pride. It's pride. Like if Mm -hmm. I can just, Wow. Yeah, that is good fancy. Mm-hmm. Yes, John 16, No, we're going to face trouble. I'm um, Psalm 23. Yay, though I walk through the valley. Like, we're just gonna, that's just life. We live in a fallen world. And this is, you know, going through trouble and facing valleys is a product of what happened in the garden. I mean, I can't wait to get to heaven and talk to Adam and Eve. Like, was the fruit really that good? Look, I'm hoping they have some of that fruit in heaven. <laughs> Can we just get like Eden the remix? <sighs> my mansion's gonna have a garden. I don't know about you, Tiffany, but my mansion is gonna have a garden. Yes, I, I believe in heaven. We'll <laughs> eat things that we've never had on earth. I believe we'll see colors we've never seen and smells we've never seen and <sighs> taste things we've never tasted. Um, heaven is going to be amazing. Um, what else fancy? I have two, three more things here. Oh, you are a product of generational blessing. There's a switch that took place because you made the comment, your children have not been affected or followed in your path they have not been they're not addicts they haven't done this they they're not in abusive relationships they're not the abuser but and and so you because you have decided to live your life for christ and do the hard things you have broken generational curses things that have been handed down and handed down and handed down through your bloodline Because you decided to say, no, I'm a child of God. And this stops here with the help of Jesus Christ. Now there's been a flip in your bloodline. There's been a cleansing that's run through your bloodline. And um, I I just, it's it's a beautiful, your children, their children, their children, for generations, they're not going to um, wrestle with the things that you have and have to overcome the things you have because you have put an end to those curses in your bloodline. Yes. You know, and, and I'll tell you, I I spoke to my daughter about this because as she's going through, um, the process of graduating and she's just built her life in such a way where she really can do, whatever she wants to do. And she doesn't have kids yet. And she's not tied down to a husband yet, but she still lives, you know, a very pure lifestyle. She just really is a phenomenal young woman. And I said to her, you know, I look at you 
And it's not lost on me that there were prayers that your grandmothers prayed that God told them, yes, but the yes is in you. There are prayers that I prayed that God told me, yes, but I see the yes in you. Amen. It's powerful. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's powerful to have praying family and praying friends. And again, like you had mentioned in the beginning that you're still believing God for certain things. Just having a word. I, I say this so much. We need to have words for, so that we can fight the good fight of faith so that we can stand when the enemy wants to say, oh, well, look at your life. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Or, yeah, they're never going to come to the Lord. Or you should just give up now because you're not equipped. All the things, all the scenarios, all the <laughs> lies. That's why it's so important that we're in a relationship with the Lord. And that, you know, we're believing God, what he's promised us and, and praying through it. It's so important. You know, there's a part. It's like, that's what makes our faith alive and not dead. Like we, we have to participate in life. You know, we have, our faith has to be tested in the fire and uh, the way it's tested is doing life and, and contending for the things that God has promised us. Yes. We were not made to sit in a corner and read our Bible all by ourselves. Mm -mm. He said, go ye therefore. That's what he said. Go ye therefore. Amen. You know, there's, there's one more thing I want to, I want to camp on before we close in prayer. Um, but I want to touch on this one really quickly. You said you had created an atmosphere of perfection and I feel like this is, and like you said, it was dangerous, but I think what we all tend to do at some point in our life and some may do it more than others is we get into this relationship or we get into this situation or circumstance and we have our expectation of what it's going to look like. And we place that on our situation or we place that expectation on a person without communing to that person. This is my expectation or this situation. And then, and that expectation is so far out of reach that no human is actually going to fulfill that. Your circumstance mm -hmm. is actually never going to look like that. It's like a fantasy. It's not in line with the word of God. Um, it's, it's not what God has called us to right? So we put this because humans aren't perfect. We can't, I've learned this a lot in my friendships of putting a expectation on somebody. And then when that expectation is not met, walking through disappointment, offense, anger, right? You're just, then you're just jaded. And, you, yeah. and then you find yourself not wanting to have relationship with anybody or you find yourself, you're single and you find yourself hating marriage because you thought that you were going to get married to this person and that person. And now you, you, you know, you're still single and you want to do this or that. And so you just find yourself jaded because you've had these unrealistic expectations. And, um, and like you said, you had created this atmosphere of perfection and it's essentially what you did is you had an expectation that was never met. And it mm -hmm. left everybody in, you know, turmoil. And I think that we all do that. At, at, and like I said, some of us do it more than others. And we need God's help to realize, like, 
you know, I'm going to come into this with no expectation. God, I want your will. That's my expectation. Whatever your will is for this situation or this person or this relationship, that is what I want. And asking Father, Father, what is your will for this situation or for this relationship? And then, you know, the Bible says deferred hope makes the heart sick. Then we don't have deferred hope because our expectation is in the will of God. And the Bible says that if our hope is in Christ, he will not disappoint. Ooh, you are preaching to me right now, Tiffany. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. So I, I, this is just an area that has, is sensitive to me and I've, I, and just man created an atmosphere, like you said, of realistic expectation. And then, you know, uh, communicating it for me, it was more in different friendships and just being devastated Mm -hmm. that like, well, they didn't love me like I should, or they didn't yeah. invite me here. And the Lord and said, turning into rejection in your yeah. own spirit and feeling rejected by others, which is a whole nother thing, right? Yes. And so, and, and I believe like we find ourselves in these situations that God never wanted us to be in. But again, it's going back to having this unrealistic expectation. And then too, just loving people, expecting people to be a friend like you friend people or expecting people to love you like you love people. And God clearly spoke to me, said, I did not create them. They are not going to love like you. They are not going to be a friend like you. You are a treasure. You are rare. You are right. And so the Lord had to really minister to me. I just want to encourage anybody listening to let go of the unrealistic expectations. If you find yourself in a situation in a friendship or relationship, a circumstance, and you feel lots of disappointment and, and turmoil, jealousy, bitterness, offense. Go to Father and ask Him, hey, what's the lie I'm believing? Truth. And if there's any unrealistic expectations that I have placed on this person or this situation, ask Father to reveal it. And ask Father what His will is for this. And to put, we've got to put our hope in Christ because then we will not be disappointed. And mm-hmm. um, and so, yes, the, the last thing I want to camp on, and I feel like it's huge, is that the doctors told your mother she had six months, but God said two years. I need somebody to hear that. We don't, as children of God, we don't believe the report of doctors. We do not believe the report of man. We believe the report of the Lord. And if you're like, well, what is the report of the Lord? I don't know. You got to ask him in your situation, Lord, what is your report? What is your report about this situation? Because I'm going to believe that over this person or that doctor or this physician. I love that the doctor said six months, but God said two years. But what I love even more about the end of this testimony and this story is that, first of all, the Lord gave me Genesis 50, 20. What the enemy meant for bad, God used for good. The enemy meant to kill, steal, and destroy. And to bring disappointment and and all of those things. And I'm not saying that y'all did not go through those and all of those things. But John 10, 10, devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. In those two years, God's purposes and plans for your mom's life were fulfilled. And for your family's life. At the heart of our father is restoration and reconciliation. And isn't like it like our God to use 
a situation that the enemy's like, dude, I'm coming to kill her. And father says, no, actually, we're going to restore a family. We're going to bring some healing and reconciliation. And then I will take her home. I'm going to go for it. And it's incredible how God used like the, the last part of your mom's life to just bring restoration to your family and to heal your mom's heart and to give her peace about this, this child that she adopted. And again, then I just think about the daughter in her heart who was adopted and how she treated your mom with honor and with kindness and compassion and respect. Because sometimes you hear, I mean, you hear different stories of adoption and stuff where the people that were adopted are mad because the mom gave them up and, you know, all just different things. And so this story is absolutely beautiful. And it just, it just portrays our father. I feel like just perfectly, like that's his heart. His heart is the family unit. His heart is healing. And so I just, I just think it's absolutely beautiful. It really is. And I I had mentioned, I'm not sure if we caught it, but, um, that, you know, my sister didn't even reach out to my mom until after that original diagnosis, until after that six months. So had we believed that and embraced that my mom was only going to be here for six months, that whole thing never would have happened. Wow. Man, fancy your faith. I, I admire it. I love that. I love your conviction that when you walked into that hospital room with your brother, you said, I don't think so. Y'all go out of the room. You give me time. It reminded me, you know, all through the Bible in in the New Testament, Jesus created an atmosphere for miracles to take place. There are accounts where even when he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he cleared out that tomb. Like, hey, all of you get out because there's unbelief or there's whatever. And and Jesus created an atmosphere for miracles. And that's exactly what you did. You had a conviction of the word of God. You had faith the size of a mustard seed. And you took authority of who you are in Christ. And and I think it's powerful. And, and I feel like that that's who I want to be. That's that's the person. That's how I want to represent Jesus. And that's the kind of faith that I want to have is mm-hmm. a conviction that I'm passionate about. And, and, and not saying that I don't care about other people around me, but you know, handling it tastefully and honorably, but like, no, I, I have faith right now and this is what I believe. And, and I just think it's beautiful and it's, it's encouraging. And I, and I pray that I will have faith like that and, and walk like that, representing Jesus like that. Amen. Amen. I'm a, I'm a praise warrior. So I'm going to put a praise on it. And if it don't feel like that in the room, that's how I need it to feel. So. Amen. Amen. (laughs) All right, Fancy. Well, I want to pray. So I would love it. I would love for you to open and um, maybe let's pray over some stuff that we talked about today. Soul ties. Um, dysfunction in the belief system, um, breaking generational curses, just all through the stories that you've shared today on this episode, all the testimonies, um, just whatever Holy Spirit lays on your heart. And, uh, and then I'll come behind you and close it up. And that will conclude our episode. 
Excuse me, Tiffany. Okay, well, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much. First of all, for the opportunity to touch and agree, even over this long distance with my sister, Tiffany, and to just honor you, Lord, and to have some fellowship and some time to talk about you and all the beautiful things that you've done as you've held my hand on this walk so far. Lord, we just thank you that you created us in your image and you define what's perfect and you define what's beautiful and you define what our course is, Lord God. You have personally made plans for each of us. Your word says that you've made plans for a future, plans to prosper us, Lord God. And so we thank you for that. And we just declare and decree right now that the messages that the world gives us that are adverse to what your plan is for us, the messages that are being fed to us via media, by via our social accounts, via just the little things that people say to us that have nothing to do with your word, but they quote it like it's scripture. Lord God, we declare and decree today that those things would have no power in our lives, but that it would be your word that rules and reigns. And so, Lord God, please continue to inspire us to seek out your word. Continue to drop voices in our ears that speak your word over us, Lord God. Continue to show us what your perfection looks like, what your righteousness looks like, so that we don't seek the worldly perfection that just leads us to that anxiety that leads us to shame, that leads us to working so hard for things that just aren't realistic. And Lord, we just ask you also that as we walk through this life and we try to figure out where we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to be and what your glorious call is on us, that we would be careful and thoughtful about the soul ties that we create in our lives, about the people that we anchor ourselves to, about the people that we share our intimate spaces with. And Lord God, for those of us who have done those things with people who you didn't call us to do those things with, we just ask you, Lord God, to show us victory in that area right now. Lord God, we ask that you break those soul ties. Holy Spirit, come into each one of our lives. Break Break those soul ties off of us and break them off of the other person, Lord God, and give us back what we brought in and give them back what they brought in, that we can all leave clean with our own stuff and no longer be anchored to one another if that's not the plan that you had for us in our life, Lord, because we want to be free. We want to be able to love one another as you've called us to do. Lord, you said in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, beloved, let us love love one another for love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Lord, we need to be able to do that freely without any extra stuff hanging off of us, without any of the extra things that we bring into these relationships without the baggage, Lord God. And so we just ask you, Holy Spirit, right now to remove those soul ties from us and reestablish that freedom that we have to be able to connect to the people who you you've deemed as part of that inner circle for us in our lives and part of that intimate group that we would have those soul ties with.
And Lord God, we just thank you for every time that you've held our hand as we've walked through, every time that you've calmed our spirits, every time that you've struck down that spirit of fear with your glorious, glorious shalom that comes and blows fresh in our lives. Lord, we thank you for showing us who we are. We thank you for calling us by our names. We thank you for the times when we can see your hand moving in our life as reminders that it's personal with you, that you care about us personally, that you get involved personally, and that you want to be here with us personally. Lord, we love you so very much, and I just thank you right now personally for every move that you've made throughout my first 50 years. And I'm excited to see what you do with the next 50, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, Father, I just pray right now for those listening, never given your life to Christ. And you're like, I want, I want to know about this God that she holds his hand. I want to know about this Jesus. I want to know about Holy Spirit. Right now, the Bible says that... The- and his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life the truth of the matter is if you were to die today there's two places you're either going to hell or you're going to heaven if you've accepted christ into your heart you'll spend eternity in heaven reconciled to god our father his heart or if not you'll spend eternity tormented in hell and so it's so simple. All, all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, that you you believe he came in the form of flesh and he lived a sinless life. He was perfect and that his body was beat and broken beyond recognition. That his he hung on a cross and his was shed for the remission of your sins, for all of your bad choices. And he died, he was buried, and he and that he's coming back. And and if you believe it, the Bible says if you believe in your heart, then you just confess it with your mouth. So I invite you to just confess the Lord as your Savior. And and the Bible says that it's done. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And so, Father, I thank you for those listening that have confessed with their mouth and they believe in their heart that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, God. We thank you for their salvation. We thank you for this journey that they've now began holding your hand. God, and I just pray everyone listening, God, that they would ask you where they believed lies and where the truth to be replaced, that you would do that, Father. God, where we've believed, um, where we've placed unrealistic expectations on a or a person, Father, expose those things. That we may have right expectations, that we may put our hope in Christ, that we would not be disappointed. God, I pray for those who have hope deferred, that their heart would be healed, that their hope again would be placed in man or not in a situation or a relationship or a job or a gift. God, their hope would be placed in you where it does not disappoint. Father, I thank you that through you, we can break generational curses that with you can, we can sow seeds of generational blessing. Father, I pray right now that we would sow seeds of generational blessing, that you would cleanse our bloodline in Jesus Christ's name. God, that you would go and you would do the work that we would hold your hand and that as you expose things, we would operate with you. We would 
receive the grace and the mercy and the healing, God, that we could sow seeds of righteousness and faith and love. So, Father, I thank you for this episode. I bless all of those that have listened to me and fancy. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, for the power of testimony, the spirit of prophecy. I thank you, God, that you give us testimony. I thank you for a good steward of her testimony. God, may we all be good stewards of our testimony, for it is our story for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Fancy, I'm so thankful that you shared your stories with us and that you came on and I just bless and I thank you. And, you know, as, uh, as you were praying, I heard the Holy Spirit say that you're to write a book and the title of your book is you hold my hand. And so I'm just going to leave that with you. I don't know if that's something that the Lord's ever spoke to you, but I sense the Holy Spirit saying that. And so I'm just going to leave that to you to ponder with the father, but, um, fancy. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Tiffany. And that is actually confirmation. So thank you. <laughs> Amen. That's all today on testimonies with Tiffany. So you do what's possible and let God do what's impossible. Thanks for listening to testimonies with Tiffany. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review online. To catch all the latest from Tiffany, you can follow her on Instagram at TifferTom, and you can subscribe to her email list to get exclusive updates at TravisAndTiffanyTombry.com. That's all spelled out. (laughs) Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.